1: beloved we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy the giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy in abundance join the tinkling
2: talents of david thames and me phil nickel sit back turn it up and enjoy sounds in the key of laugh
1: Yes, 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 this is Songs in the Key of Laugh with me, Phil Nichol. And me,
2: David Timms. Our little comedy
1: podcast that celebrates comedy songs, comedy songwriters and musical comedians.
2: Absolutely. Now, Phil, I have to say I am extra excited about today's episode. Get out of town. Why is that, dude? I mean, we have today one of my all-time heroes. Oh, my God. Adam Whittaker is on the show? Um, actually, we couldn't get <laughs> Anne this week. Um, no, but we do have the amazing Tim Minchin. What? Well, I why know. Why, what? Am I saying, why am I saying what? I already knew that we had Tim Minchin because yeah, yeah. we spoke to him. We
1: did. Yeah, so you yeah. were there. Yeah. yeah, we did actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he is fantastic. That's going to come up later in the show. It
2: is absolutely.
1: Um, we before we do that, though, we're going to have our comedy song contest submissions. We are. Yeah, we've got a great one this week.
2: We do. We do. It's a. It's a. It's. It's. it's a parody this week. A, parody, actually. a, poli- yeah. a,
1: a Political parody.
2: Absolutely. A and we will parody. also have our quick. Fire it's actually not just, it's not,
1: not just a not just a, a political parody. It's a Welsh political parody. Is it Welsh? Yeah, it's Welsh. Is it? It is. Oh, and we have a quick fire parody game, <laughs> and we do as well. Yeah, <laughs> and you do really well on it.
2: I I do. I
1: I don't know. We haven't done it. yet. <laughs> But I'm assuming you will. I was going to say, but, I,
2: I, yeah. mind you, after last week's, I think I've just about bought it back. Um, yes. I don't
1: think so. Oh, Although, thanks. What was my What was my last week? It was, it was uh, I, I, I threw um, a bun at you.
2: I threw a bun at you. I threw I'm a bun at you. Sorry. I'm yeah. so sorry,
1: everyone. I, but anyway, thanks for listening. The guys that are listening, people that are coming back and listening, thanks for joining us on this podcast. It means a lot to us. We have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash... Song's the Key of Laugh if you want to help us out. Keep this podcast going. Because we talk to people like Tim mention who Tim got into a big thing about Bo Burnham. And he did. And I would love to get Bo Burnham if you're listening. Bo 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 bo
2: bo Come on the show. Come on the show, Bo. Much less likely to come on now, but
3: I even sang to him.
2: If uh if anybody here knows Bo Burnham, uh please do ask him to come and join our show. Have you? I know Bo
1: Burnham. I met him in Edinburgh. I don't think he'd remember me.
2: Oh, well. Yeah. Okay, can you can you slide into his DMs? Yeah, sure. Is that yeah, a thing you can I'll do? Ring him
1: up. But first, let's listen to a little bit of Tim Minchin.
2: Okay. I,
4: I, I don't I don't know what you just asked me because I stopped listening after <laughs> I realized the headline's going to be Minchin caps, captures children. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I mean, we live in a world where decontextualization is clickbait, and I just I, I just don't think I can continue with this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Well, we're going to come back to the Tim mentioned interview at the end of the show, so stick around for that. It's worth waiting. Uh, you could always skip ahead, I suppose, if you want, but don't. Oh, do please that. don't. <laughs> oh. Now, I was thinking about Tim mentioned Bo Burnham and sort of influences and things that influence a lot of our show uh, is about that. And I started thinking about the influence I had. Now, you know that I'm. Uh, I was raised in a kind of devoutly Christian family, yeah. and we weren't really allowed to listen to a lot of secular music. So my comedy influences, I didn't have the normal comedy influences, although we were allowed to listen to Billy Connolly because my family are from Scotland. I don't know how he slipped through the net. We weren't allowed to listen to The Big In you know the the Scottish Jesus sketch because that was blasphemy. And yeah, yeah, of course, was, yeah. But but I remember going up to our cottage. We used to we used to play uh, sing um, songs all the way up and hymns and things. But this was one of the songs that went like this: If it wasn't for your wellies, where would you be? You'd be in the hospital or infirmary
5: because 'cause you'd probably have a dose of the flu or even pleurisy. If you didn't have your feet in your wellies, oh, wellies are wonderful, oh, wellies swell because they keep out the water and they keep out the smell when you're sitting in a room. You can always tell when some bugger takes off his wellies. If it wasn't for your wellies, where would you be? You'd be in the hospital or infirmary because you probably have a dose of the flu or even pleurisy if you didn't put your feet in your well.
2: Oh, Phil, that's beautiful.
1: I know that song was written by George McEwen.
2: Oh, like a
1: lot of the earlier comedy songs were kind of like political had like a political edge to them. I mean, the songs were sung in working men's clubs and music halls and stuff like that. Like that welly boot song has lines in it about fishermen and firemen and farmers and the country grinding to a halt and all that stuff. And
2: yes, no, you're completely right. It's like uh, like my old man. Do you know that the, song? You know, my old man's a dustman. Um, I meant the other one, but my, my my old man's a dustman. He wears a <laughs> dustman's hat. He wears core blimey trousers and he lives in a council flat. He looks at proper banana with his great big hobnail boots. He had such a job to pull them up but he calls them Daisy Roots. Whoa,
1: oh, hey. have a banana. Well,
2: where does that come from? What? Have a banana. No idea. We should look into that.
1: So, what is the uh, My Old Man song you're talking about?
2: Yeah, so um, it's, do you know, Don't Dilly Dally on the Way?
1: <laughs> no.
2: It's, no, it's I don't. very musical. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: Was that Sly in the Family Stone?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, I think not. No, um, no but My, My Old Man, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's an old music hall song, and uh, it tells a story of a family that's having to move house. Because they can't pay the rent anymore. Okay. Um, but a lot of the time in music hall, they will like speak, sing a verse, mm. um, and then when they get to the chorus, then everybody will join in, yeah. and hilarity will ensue, Absolutely. and everyone will roll about laughing. So uh, this is this is the song. We had to move away because the rent we couldn't pay. The moving van came round just after dark. Ooh. There was me and my old man shoving things inside the van, which we'd often done before, let me remark. We packed all that we could pack in the van, and that's a fact. We got inside all we could get inside. Then we packed all we could pack on the tailboard at the back, and there wasn't any room for me to ride. Oh, my old man. Said follow the van and don't dilly-dally on the way. Off went the cart with me own packed in it. I walked behind with me old cock linnet. I dillied, I dallied, dallied and I dillied. Lost the van and don't know where to roam. Stopped on the way to have an old half quarter and I can't find my way home. Uh, oh, have a banana. <laughs> it's a quartum. A qu- um, It's It's a drink.
1: Yeah, I'm assuming it's a lot to drink.
2: Mm. Now, Phil, it is apology time. Right. I'm sorry. Well, for what? Well, um... You know, since the beginning of this podcast, in fact, I think since that first walk we went on, that fateful walk where I... Fell over in the mud. In the mud, so, yeah, <laughs> that, that one. really fun. Um, <laughs> um, You've been telling me about a uh, a particular artist, yes, of whom I only did a very very little <laughs> bit of research on. Yeah, okay. Um, but when we then uh, had Tim Minchin on the show, yeah, uh, and we um, when we had, when we had Tim on the show. He, um, which you're going to hear later on. Yeah. Um, he told me more about this person. right? And and so because he did, I then did my research. Oh, no, okay, I got it. Okay, and uh, that man is Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham, yeah, of course. It's
1: obviously Bo Burnham. I mean, same for the beginning. If we're going to do a podcast about comedy songs and musical comedians, you can't really get past Bo Burnham.
2: No, you're right. And I'm
1: surprised that you, as a musician, actually don't know him either because the guy's had over 500 million hits on YouTube. I think he might be one of the most important musical influences if not comedy musical influences mu- musical influences in the last 20, 20 years or so i mean all the kids know who he is um he is he's one of a kind he's he's the most unique artist i think or comedy musical artist or artist in general he is so generous or so generous, so generous. So, so, so generous not Ellen DeGeneres? No, it's, he's, he's Sue Generous. No, he's not Ellen DeGeneres. He's, he's not, that. He's Bo Burnham. Welcome
3: to the internet.
0: Have a look around. Anything that brain of yours can think of can be found. We've got mountains of content, some better, some worse. If none of it's of interest to you,
1: you'd be the first. Yeah, I, c- I could listen to that. That's. I mean, that's just a fantastic track.
2: It's so good. Uh, yeah, so please do go and listen to that track. Uh, and and also- I'm so
1: glad that it was... Finally brought to your attention by Tim Minchin
2: yeah yeah, yeah. thanks Tim um, but he's also he's got a special on Netflix hasn't he
1: yeah I've already said that have you yeah
2: oh inside inside huh oh.
1: there is a lot of new comedy Songwriting talent out there, and um, I mean, Bob Burnham started writing songs when he was 16. So 16. we thought we'd try and support that with this podcast by starting the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song contest
2: competition Co- uh, contest. No, competition? it's
1: a con- it's a contest. David. Okay, it's a contest. And a contest. our entry from this week is by a guy called Matt Lewis. He's Welsh. Uh, it's a parody, but it's a political parody. It's a Welsh political parody called Matt Hancock stop masturbating. <laughs>
0: You're really fucking sick and fed up with the politics you met me at the perfect time I don't care, I have my say Hancock, you have had your day So I went and wrote this rhyme Boris even said You have made your bed You used to such a fucking job I'm not gonna listen to your words of repetition You're a liar and a two-faced knob You've lost it You evil prick you cheating ways They make me sick No more lies You're full of shit Yeah, 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 yeah Now you're in spotlight or kissing, in daylight with Gina, you gobshite, why can't you follow rules? Stop masturbating, Hancock, you're out of time, I'll shove your rules with sunshine, we're fucking glad that you've resigned, I hope your wife's okay, you need castrated. Yeah. Every day he mentions stress problems with the NHS, hospitals overrun. Can he so easily say, don't hug your family? But he can have his bit of fun. Smirk up on his face, doesn't seem to care. His interviews make me cringe. You should be saving lives because that's what you're paid to do instead of going after Minge. You little creep, so full of shit. One word for you, that's hypocrite. Go and suck on Gina's tits, yeah, 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 yeah. Now you're in spotlight or kissing in daylight with gina you gobshite why can't you follow rules stop masturbating handcuff you're out of time i'll shove your rules where sun don't shine we're fucking glad that you've resigned i hope your wife's okay you need her in yeah i wonder how much money he siphoned out of the nhs the little fucker. He will ruin lots of lives tonight, he will ruin lots of lives tonight, he will then take us for a ride. I'm Secretary of Health, Matt Hancock, and to save your lives I really work my ass off, Yeah, all I seem to do is talk bollocks, like yeah, 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 yeah. Boris Johnson really fucking hates me, everything I do he just slates me, he told the Queen that he underrates me, yeah, 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 yeah you've lost it you evil prick you're cheating ways they make me sick keep your lies you're full of shit and the uk is over it now you're in spotlight caught kissing in daylight with gina you gobshite why can't you follow rules stop masturbating you will ruin lots of lives tonight you will ruin lots of lives tonight you will then take us for a ride motherfucker you will ruin lots of lives tonight You will ruin lots of lives tonight You will then take us for a ride No more Now you're in spotlight Call cool kissing in daylight With Gina, you gobshite Why can't you follow rules? Stop masturbating, Hancock You're out of time I'll shove your rules We're sundown We're fucking glad that you've resigned I hope your wife's okay You need castrating, yeah And I'll do it <laughs> myself <laughs> well there you go
2: that is, that is a very political parody um, which I think brings us quite nicely to our next segment we're gonna get given a song we know and have to change it up and make it so hysterical
1: It's the quick fire parody game. And if you don't know the rules, the rules are, or what happens is, I give David the name of an artist, and he gives me the name of an artist, and I give him the name of a song, and he gives me the name of a song. And I'm going to give you Elton John, just to begin with, because you remind me of young Elton John. I, why? Yeah, I, don't, I don't look like Elton John. Okay, Billy Joel, you remind me of a... I don't look
2: uh, like Billy Joel either.
1: Um, Neil Neil Young? I don't (laughs) Don't, look anything like Neil Young. Okay, it's Elton John and the song is "Candle in the Wind."
0: Candle in the wind. Quick
1: fire, quick fire, quick fire, quick fire. Parody game. "Candle in the Wind" by Elton John. Can you parody that song, David? You know the song. Uh,
2: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh And and it seems to me you lived your life as a shambles full of gin. Yeah. Never being as Successful as your older twin (laughs) I'm glad that I don't know you Because you smell really bad You're a shambles and you know you are Just heard that from your dad Mm, No, the the shambles and you know
1: you are Uh, That, yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think I can beat that one I think so Quick fire, quick fire, quick fire parody game Okay,
2: Phil, okay. Um, oh, you gosh. are going to parody me Am I? Yes Okay uh, The song, um, Rave On by Buddy Holly Buddy Holly's Rave On You know it? Yeah, of course, yes. yeah, so, okay. I love playing that song um, Buddy not, Holly, Rave, Rave, on. On. Rave On Rave quick
1: On, Quick fire parody game. game Okay, uh, here we go Um... The little things you say and
5: do don't affect the beard you grew. Shave on, it's a crazy feeling cause I feel your cheeks are reeling when you say I won't shave, oh shave on with me. Shave on, it's a crazy feeling how I see your cheeks are reeling and you're so face is revealing to me oh, Shave on, shave on and show me what, what, what you can't grow me oh, <laughs> Grow me on, shave on me Up
2: uh, Up uh, Shave <laughs> uh, Yeah, right. Well, well played, Phil Quick
1: fire, quick fire Quick fire parody game Do you write comedy songs?
2: Ever dream of being the next Tim Minchin? Or
1: being Tim Minchin? That's weird. Yeah.
2: Why not enter our Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition and maybe appear on our podcast?
1: With Tim Minchin.
2: That's better. The
1: Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition. Enter today. Visit songsinthekeyoflaugh.com for details. It is a little bit embarrassing that we mentioned Tim Minchin in the commercial and now we've got him on the podcast. Only
2: slightly embarrassing. Only slightly
1: embarrassing. More for you than me. (laughs) (laughs) Why is that, David?
2: Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm quite a huge fan. David
1: likes Tim Minchin. Yeah, I do. I do.
2: He's sensational. He was such a pleasure to interview. This
1: is a great interview.
2: So uh, here you go.
0: It's Tim Tim Minchin. Minchin. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things.
5: Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com style. Mm-hmm. The guest on today's show guest. is someone you
3: might
2: know. I you and if you don't, that's your own fault. But you'll know them soon.
0: Here. Tim
1: Minchin. It's Tim Minchin, guys. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Tim Minchin. He's an Olivier Award winner. He's a Tony Award winner. He's an actor. He's a cabaret star. He wrote Matilda, Groundhog Day. I mean... When I think of musical comedians, he's, well, I'll be honest with you guys. He was the first person on our list of people we needed to speak to. Uh, welcome, Tim Minchin. Hi, Tim. How are you? Hi, Tim. Hi. <laughs> was Hi, that too much? Did Phil. I give you a big
4: American build-up? You've probably seen no, him on NBCs. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's only just enough. I just, I should just it. Uh,
1: it uh, so, Tim, it's been, uh, you're, You're. we're talking to you from Sydney, Australia, and it's been a bit mad in Australia, this lockdown. Yeah. Has it has that affected your creativity? Have you, have you become more creative, less
4: creative? Uh, have you, how have you dealt with it? I haven't felt the the fatigue really because a lot of, uh, you know, I stopped touring for years so I haven't really, like not touring is not a big deal for me and sitting in this room and writing is pretty normal. I mean definitely it's there's lots about it that's different and the lack of socialising and, yeah, the lack of gigs but um, it doesn't really bother me and... And one of the great joys of my career is that I do get to go. Right, I'm going to write a song for this film, and now I'm going to write a script for TV, and then I'm going to do some voiceover acting for an animated thing, and then I'm mm. going to. And it's um so so the I don't get stuck in a rut. Um, I have plenty of stuff to take my attention if I get a little bit stale on
2: one thing. That's uh, okay. that's wonderful. It, it's it's great that you're so. Um, so wonderfully versatile. Um, yeah, that's <laughs>
4: what I was trying to say. I would yeah. have said I'm really wonderfully versatile, but you're not allowed to say that. Anymore. No, but I, I am. It's not that's... cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really keen to ask you about how you come about writing, just in general. Um, I I have done I've I've MD'd productions of um, uh, Matilda before, and it's it's amazing, and the way that you capture capture children so 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 well and their emotion through these songs is is so beautiful how do you how do you put yourself into that mindset how do you write a show like the i children? I, I, don't, I don't know
3: what
4: you just asked me because i stopped listening after i realized <laughs> the headline's gonna be minchin capsus, captures children <laughs> I, I, just, I mean we live in a world where decontextualization is clickbait and i just <laughs> I, I just don't think i can continue with this podcast um <laughs> 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 yeah, I um I'm stoked that you've MD'd it and 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 the score is uh be- beautiful largely because of Chris Nightingale who is the orchestrator and and did all the weaving of my themes through the piece but um uh yeah, I I got asked recently because Matilda's heading to its 10 year anniversary mm. on the West End and so I'm doing a bit of press around it and I got asked just yesterday in an interview about, you know, did I have to sort of recall my own childhood to try and tap into a thing, and i I don't know, and and David, you and Phil you'd all all you guys would have your own process and stuff, but I don't feel like writing from another character's point of view is so much a sort of meditative like trying to put yourself in that state, you just, it doesn't feel far, it doesn't feel like something I have to reach for. I don't have a lot of clear memories of my childhood. I don't feel particularly connected to my childhood self but the notion of childishness feels very um, local to me. It doesn't feel, I, I feel like that's not a, not a tough job and for me, especially because I was so into Roald Dahl as a kid and Quentin Blake's illustrations and stuff, the idea of, like, what does the music for that feel like is quite a visceral... It's like, oh, it feels a bit like this, you know? It's a bit waltzy and it's a bit circusy and it's a bit angular and it's a bit, you know, chromatic. And so I... uh, It's not a very intellectual exercise. It's more a sort of... um, ..just a response in a different language, I suppose.
1: Your background's come out of sort of cabaret... Comedy songs and sort of short form, shorter form songs looking for, uh, you know, like when we write songs, when I write a song, I'll get a premise for it and then I'll just sort of start churning out rhyming couplets and then you look for a little story in it and then you you try and find a twist at the end. And there's like, you know, there's sort of little rules that we use to write what writes a good cabaret song. There are just rules that work for them with a big flourish at the end. Da 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 is the joke. We end the song with "Da, da da da. But when you come, when it, when it, when you've moved on to writing these longer pieces, I mean, it's the next generation. That's something that I've not been able to get myself to, writing to the next generation of where you've got to keep in, keep a story, a long story going. And do you think your early work with like Darkseid and the earlier pieces that you did and all the fun little, I, I don't want to call them silly, but it is just silliness, do you think that informed your later writing?
4: Well... There's two sort of edits I'll make to your premise. One is yep. I come from theatre, so I wrote my okay. first score for theatre when I was 17. Oh wow! Um, I wrote 10 songs for a musical version of *Love's Labour's Lost* um, in the year I turned 18. The following year, I did a I, I did a youth theatre company version of *Mother Courage*, and they thought that the um, that the pre-existing score was not right so i rewrote that score and i wrote four or five scores for shakespeare's during uni and so i'd written 10 12 so that's where i come from and i always wrote quirky songs um so that that's that that's my real background comedy was a diversion um or a digression the other thing is although i definitely wrote ditty like um comedy songs even right back in Dark Side. Um you know, there was Peace Anthem for Palestine, the We Don't Eat Pigs, You Don't Eat Pigs song, um, and Inflatable You, which is, mm. you know, exactly as you say, all the rhyming couplets and a little bit of a twist. And but there was also fully fledged in that show I had Not Perfect, which is a total storytelling ballad that has no jokes in it. Or no, it just mm. has quirk. And uh, Rock and Roll Nerd and Dark Side itself were really pop songs. Yeah. And in the year after Dark Side I wrote a musical um, about a for, for a rural Australian town called Penrith. And um, the year before Darkseid, I'd done a bunch of music for a documentary about the Singapore Zoo. And, you know, so there's a... Yeah. I guess... Um,
1: I'm a theatre kid as well and I um but i'd sort of like a sloppy guitar player who started playing the guitar because i was the guy that could play a few chords in the theater group not because i'm a musician as you know in the same at the same uh, level that you are and it's interesting to know that you've had those so
4: you started playing piano when you were younger i started at sort of nine or ten and i did three or four years and then i quit um Mm. ...so I'm not trained really. and I, I went and did a music course after I did my my arts, my, my arts degree... ...after I did all my, my English. Um, you know, I'm much more of a theatre nerd in the sense that... Uh, ...give me a Shakespeare text and I can analyse the fuck out of it for you. Mm. You know, um, uh, I, I went and did a, what was called a commercial music course... ...which was you know, teaching you to play in different styles... ...sort of mm. trying to put out session musos really... Uh, but because I couldn't read or write music, I, I thought I've got to go to uni because I, I seem to have a knack for this writing for theatre thing but I'm, I'm going to hit the ceiling, you know. They're going to want me to read dots. And so I went to uni to try and learn but I was way too far gone. But what I did learn is uh, logic. Um, the, the program when back when it was just MIDI but that allowed me to write demos and churn out shitty digitally generated charts that were good enough to allow me to keep composing, and then of course that technology got better, and then this thing happened where suddenly I was a person who could have a Chris Nightingale, who could have an orchestrator. Wow. That's amazing.
2: So yeah. So so not not writing out the dots yourself and just and playing them into Logic is that that's how you came about composing the music for? I, I mean, yeah, for Matilda or for yeah. What?
4: So Matilda, like the like a, a lot of it. Like, there are bits in Matilda that Chris really orchestrated, but something like the, the, the Overture, the opening number, Miracle, which is eight minutes long and complete chaos, is very similar to what I put into Logic. So all those... ..flute lines and all the weird angular bass lines, and it's all me. If you really get into piano, unlike guitar, which you can, you can get good at guitar without really understanding harmony mm, without yeah. really understanding theory like mm. i don't think hendrix really understood theory he was just a bona fide genius mm. whereas if you play piano you can't get very far without understanding it because you can't just move your hand up the, th- the fret you have to understand that an octave goes tone tone semitone tone, tone 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 semitone and you have to understand that an extended major chord is a major seven is a major nine is a major nine sharp eleven and and the more you know, the more you inherit technically. So my theory is pretty good. So when you say I can't read or write, people are like, you play by ear and you're like, mm. no.
3: <laughs> it's like
4: you, it's, imagine knowing all the plays of Shakespeare, you understand the text, you understand the iambic pentameter, you understand enjambment, and you understand the different ways you interpret it. It's just that if you were asked to write the words down, you wouldn't be able to write the words down. Yeah. It's more like that.
2: I know so many, so many musicians who are very, very similar to you. I I play with a bassist who plays with Amy Winehouse and he's not a reader. So the other day I got him to jump in on a gig with us and he said, oh, do I, do I have to read? I was like, no, no, just, just use your ear. And so he turned up I gave him a load of charts. He was like, no, it's fine. I don't need those. And just the whole entire gig is just by his ear. He's phenomenal. He's great. But that is so many musicians do that. because when
4: I say I can't read or write, I can read chords, and without a chord I'm chart, saying, I'm pretty, I'm pretty yeah, screwed.
2: I, I, I have to have these things in front of me. I, my yeah. my ear's good, but I have to have these charts in front of me to make sure that I'm going to be, you know, at no yeah. point am I going to be completely yeah. out of my depth and going. It's Aah. easy
4: when you're a bass player. You just, <laughs> 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 it's easy.
2: I'll tell him you said that. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> It's not something I, I get completely lost. I'd, I remember doing a gig at the uh, jazz cafe and it was comedy and jazz on a Sunday night. So the full jazz band and there was all the comedy fans there to see Corky the Juice Pigs and then all the jazz fans that were just there regularly. And at the end of the show, we, we, we stormed it we had this great gig. And you we, we walk up the stairs and around the balcony. As I was walking on their balcony, they came on and went, let's get the guitar player back and jam with the band. I was like. No, like yeah. I play omitted thirds, like and and they were and they people started chanting, and I was like, No, 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 it's okay. But and so I had to go back down and I plugged my guitar in, and then he's going to B flat. I'm like, Where is B flat? Like, I'm looking at <laughs> my guitar yeah. going, I'm not even sure. But I go, it's in. If it's if it's F, then okay, B flat. Okay, I found got the B flat. Yeah. And then and I'm just playing. There they go. and They're off on their thing, and I'm sitting there going, I can. I don't even know what twelve bars is, man. I'm just like. So I turn my back to the audience, not realizing that's the coolest thing you can do at jazz.
4: Yeah. Yes, then just right. A couple of tasty notes. This is taste, man. It's <laughs> this all is taste. T- yeah, yeah. Just like, just like, yeah. hit a hit a yeah, note that, that one was, was well, right? deliberately dissonant.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then I'm and, I, and I'm playing my omitted thirds, you know, like just with the two fingers. And I'm just sitting there going, "This is." And then they go and they go and they look over and they go, "Okay." Uh, drum solo so the drummer goes off and we all stop and I'm like oh no there's going to be a solo and then you don't know and where
4: the... one is and you're like I don't know where one <laughs> <don't> is anymore <laughs> I so I know. don't know where the harmony is I don't know where the melody is and now I don't know where time is thanks a <laughs> fucking lot guys I have no yeah, this idea is what's jazz. going on and now yeah. I feel what jazz is
1: this is what jazz is right and then yeah, they all come back in is. and I come back yeah. in with them so I'm pretty good but I'm playing yeah. quieter and quieter and quieter not realising <laughs> that out front the sound guy is turning my guitar up louder and louder and louder so uh-huh. he goes he looks over at me and i'm like i'm shaking my head no 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 i don't want to go he's like okay and then he goes go to the bass player bass player. Yeah. Goes, and I'm, wow.
5: I'm going oh no this is gonna this is absolutely hell wow. Bowel
1: bow back in again we're back in again and i'm playing quieter and i'm just like going i'm just like looking at the floor co- looking to me i'm like no i can't go he goes okay so he takes the solo i'm thinking oh you leave the best solo for last that's how it works right and i'm just yeah. like, oh. <laughs> absolute rubbish and then this, and then the sound guy the sound guy's. I'm playing so quietly now the sound guy has got me up full so when it comes to finally my solo I don't know what to do and I'm thinking do what Phil Nickel would do it's jazz they'll follow you so I just started going like like a like a Mark Bolan-esque sort of yeah. like just as loud and it and because it was so quiet as soon as you turned my guitar up, it was so loud the crowd went <laughs> it was like ah! oh, yeah. and they just all the guys of the band looked up and within three three, two notes, they, they were, were all in on yeah. playing, like, rock, blues. Straight out. All, all yeah. of them, straight in, yeah. straight in. Like, yeah. they went, oh, this is what he's doing, bam, and it just, and I was like, no solo, and it was just, I just, you know how that fake riffing just I do. Out. where yeah. rocking out, Yeah, where I pretend to play. So absolutely terrifying not to have a clue.
4: Uh, it's worse being me because I think I can play jazz, and whenever I'm on stage with a jazz band, I just... I'm always drunk. It's always late night at some <laughs> jazz gig. Everyone's yeah. like, "Get up!" and I'm like, "Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, whatever." Like, fuck. Yeah, ugh, it's yeah always, but play, I, I, I'm I can't play. I can play a right at home but i can't play jazz i can't
2: swing under pressure man um also a 12 bar blues a 12 bar blues is absolutely fine you can do a 12 bar blues absolutely anywhere but then you go to a venue and they're playing a 12 bar blues in it and they're doing it as jazzy as they possibly can you like they're, they're, these are not the chords that we learned yeah. a 12 bar blues even if you've got six two five ones popping in it's still not yeah. the same thing um yeah. but there was also there's there's an amazing um solo on site it's uh, muddy waters and he's playing alongside another guitar Um, and this this young guitarist goes completely and utterly crazy does the most phenomenal solo you've ever seen and Muddy Waters is sitting in it yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm and he just plays one note for his whole, like, yeah. 48 bar yeah. solo. He's like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So you could have done that, that as was well, Phil. Phil. Yeah, 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 yeah. it could have been. <laughs> well, I
1: saw I saw a thing recently, Jacob Collier, who's, you know, just an unbelievable genius. Musician. So it's Jacob Collier and yeah. Herbie Hancock, and Jacob Collier, they're going solos back and forth. If you've watched the video, Google, it's worth watching. Jacob, then you can see Herbie Hancock just going, man, this guy is great, he looks impressed. Then it comes over to Herbie Hancock, and he just comes in on, the note, on one note, dun, dun. To, to, and then he just goes and you can see jacob collier's mouth drops going oh my god that's what i wish i had done to have the to have the the calm to go i can't really do better than that i'm gonna do the opposite and start at the lowest thing and it's just this magical i
4: saw, I, I saw a, a jazzer in melbourne recently and he's a really good pianist. And uh, this young saxophonist got up, you know, in a floppy hat. He was all, all hat, no trousers, you know. He's like, <laughs> like he had this horn and he was all like smoking a vape and vaping a vape, I suppose. <laughs> uh, and he, he kind of got up and <laughs> you could tell he would learnt that lesson, you know. He was super cool to look at and he cruises up. He's all skinny <laughs> and he and he starts a couple of tasty notes, man. And you're like, yeah, tasty. He's that's that's cool, you know. The kid's only like 24, and he's starting super chill. Just a couple of tasty notes, mm. and then like eight bars later, you're like, oh, he's got fucking nothing. He's got no chops. <laughs> like you're like, cool. He's he's all look. He's all hat. He's all skinny, he's all tasty notes in the first eight bars and then he tries to open it up and it's just like, oh, my God, it's terrible. <laughs> Why did they get those, like, student saxophonist like, work experience? It was really funny because he really sold it until he started trying to play. That's me. I'm that guy. You
1: you don't you don't hold back. You you know, you're a pretty – you must be a fairly centred person. Is that something you've always had? Is that is that a – is that been a motivation for you or have you found the platform of your music allows you to say those things
4: it's the second one i think i mm. i certainly didn't become a, a comedian or an artist to to push an agenda mm. um and i think if anything my activism in inverted commas has you know, in this binary world has allowed people to make assumptions about my politics mm. and, uh, you know, obviously you can make assumption about my politics because I'm largely progressive and small l liberal and, and, you know, I believe in climate science so I must be a lefty. But I'm, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a data head, you know, I'm a super <clears throat> pretty nerdy about science and if I have any body of knowledge other than a vague understanding of harmony... It's um, it's logical philosophy and stuff like that. So I was struggling, you know, I was writing music for theatre and trying to be an actor and got rejected by every agency in the country and couldn't get, you know, I was sort of doing auditions and didn't get anywhere and I had an original band that I couldn't get a, any traction with that. I was sort of playing cover bands you know there's absolutely no sneering whatsoever my wedding band and cover band time was joyous and i was incredibly lucky to have those gigs but you know um when i started doing this cabaret thing when i started going right i'm just going to take everything i'm good at and throw it on stage at the same time so i'm going to write quirky songs and i'll do little sketches and you know i'm an alright actor and i'm alright pianist i'm alright lyricist i'll just it just people were laughing a lot more than i thought they would i thought this is quirky but it was comedy right
1: Mm.
4: and at the same time i had my general interest in psychology and philosophy sort of you know um had had led me to reading more uh, there was a book by uh, an author called francis ween called how mumbo jumbo ruined the world which actually probably reads pretty you know in this binary age would he'd be he'd be a jordan peterson you know but at the time we weren't we weren't dividing things so clearly down the middle. Um, it was a bit of an agitating book about um, politics overcoming data basically, and that sent me down a rabbit hole and eventually it led me to the you know it intersected with new atheism and Hitchens and Dawkins and Harris and Dennett and all those uh, white boys and um and I guess I was my reading was just taking me into those areas where I was feeling very frustrated about how bad people are at thinking um, or the ways in which people are bad at thinking, including myself, humans. (laughs) And at the same time I was starting to get an audience and when I went, oh, I've got crazy hair and eyeliner and I play a piano pretty well and, by the way, I'm going to lecture you on (laughs) post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacies of causation and correlation... (laughs) People fucking came to my show and I thought, <laughs> all right i'm that guy I'm a nerdy, preachy logic music guy, and that's what I built my career on, and the audiences started coming so fast that I needed to write and so I wrote, and yeah, that taught me that polemic is a is an interesting form, and I got good at polemic and mm. so I wrote Storm, which had a big impact, and then yeah, when I was feeling pissed off at, at Australia's most powerful Catholic for um, burying sex crimes, I thought, cunt needs a tune. And I guess <laughs> I... But to your question, I'm not centred. I find two things. I find the backlash incredibly difficult. Not that I don't think I deserve it. You, you give it, you've got to take it. But, you know, my very specific criticism of a particular moral act elicited dozens of col- newspaper columns calling me a hypocritical, Catholic, hating, lefty, stoner, faggot, whatever, you know, mm. and not in the newspaper but on the internet. And um, I find that it, that's always hard. No, you'd have to be a psychopath not to find that hard and I'm not, as I say, it's uh, it's part of it. Um, the other thing is I've spent a lot of time thinking about whether that's moral given that in general I don't believe in public shaming... I don't think public shaming is the mechanism for uh, moral good that everyone, is pre- everyone on the left is pretending it is. I think it's probably a terrible thing in general because it dehumanises uh, people we disagree with. And so I want to know what my role is in that. I, I'm like, well, hold on, I'm anti-public shaming and yet I eviscerated this man in uh, using an art form that's sort of almost unfair fighting in the public mm-hmm. sphere now i can launch a really good defense of that act but i i don't just go yeah fuck him i th- i've thought about it a lot you know mm.
1: i don't think you are wrong and i understand why catholics and people who want to defend their whole belief system would mm. would not be able to see that and that is
4: part yeah, of Yeah and your human. point is 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 very apt in that there's there's two different things going on here. One is self-analysis and holding sel- oneself to account. Just because you've done something doesn't mean it's right. Mm. And that basically is the human condition. We're like, well, I did it and must be right. And now I'm going to firm up my defences and make sure no one ever criticized me. Just because you did it doesn't mean it's right. Just because you are passionate doesn't mean it's right. Just because you feel it keenly doesn't mean you're on the right side of history.
1: Yeah.
4: Hello, fellow lefties. Uh,
1: but, all, but, but, but also... But also
4: Yeah, go ahead. On the other side, sorry, Phil, uh, just to to back up your point using too many words, on the (laughs) other side, just because you get a bunch of hate doesn't mean you're wrong. So this is, as an artist or a public figure, these are hard to unpack because you've also got your own little broken self-esteem and all your own (laughs) fucking shit you're dealing with (laughs) and Mm. you're trying to discern between legitimate self-criticism, legitimate external criticism, legitimate self-defense and and ignoring the criticism you know fuck how do you unpack it
1: yeah i, I mean we and we're living in a in a world where that is becoming more and more because we have so much information and easy contact with one another we are all all of us and i include especially like the young people in my family are becoming expert uh ninjas at batting away criticisms and it has another effect. It has the opposite effect. Sometimes people then don't accept any criticism. And, exactly. And, and, Are and we they're... the last
4: generation to take that shit seriously? Like <laughs> I, well. I I have been really knocked sideways for days, weeks, months by, mm. by hate. Um, and I wonder if part of it is because I really take it to heart and I consider whether they might be right. And when you're considering whether a bunch of people calling you a fucking imbecile might be right that's psychically very difficult Uh, uh, the next generation just like inoculated against that by exposure from a young age just oh yeah haters haters gonna hate it's like well that's a great catchphrase and i'm glad you're protected against it but sometimes you're the one being the dick you know
1: yeah well this is i think that i mean i take other people's criticism upon myself. So if I'm sitting in a room full of people and people are having a bitch about someone go, oh, did you hear oh, i like, can Tim mentioned it, I was thinking that could be me they're talking about. Maybe it is me yeah. they're talking about. Maybe I do that. Do I do that? I do that. And then I can somehow <laughs> convince myself and I go and, and that and that is something I find really hard to shake off. I can't be alone in that way of thinking.
4: And well, Phil, not to just have a have a circle jerk, but mm. you know, I spent eight years in the uk and had the extraordinary experience of having a career take off quickly and um i can name on two hands the people who are just kind and you know despite the fact we all feel competitive and we all it is a competitive atmosphere you 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 know this character floor of yours has made you an incredibly kind and supportive person, and, a, and, a, Desperate. and you know. So, so it's it might it might hurt you, and it might be tiring. But I'd rather you had that had that flaw than the flaw where you're chippy bitch about everything all the time. <laughs> well, yeah. was well, I mean. half the comedy scene.
2: I mean, so, I mean, you're also, you're, you're, you're... he
4: says being a chippy bitch.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> Let's talk about people we hate. <laughs> yeah, that's
2: right. Tim, Tim, and Phil. Can I ask how do you guys know each other? We don't uh, know. I,
4: don't I mean, know. it's literally yeah. Gilded of Balloon twenty oh five, isn't it? We, I we, don't we, know really. And then we ended up living. <laughs> we ended up living. You know, three streets yeah. away from each other for years.
2: Well, I, we, we've had we, we had we had a drunken conversation, Tim, in the in the Harringay Arms. Um, which eventually I then got carted off by um, my friend Chelsea had just won a match. And he walked in and went, oh! You're, uh, you're you're uh, you Dave, come outside. I was just telling you about <laughs> how much I hate Chelsea. No, I was I was talking I was talking to you about I, I was writing a show for for kids that we were we were taking up to Edinburgh, and I was like, right, okay, uh, this is, it was well, what what an amazing opportunity this conversation. I could remember be. this conversation. Then... <laughs> I can't
4: believe you've left it till the middle of the podcast to tell me that that was you. <laughs> Do you remember it seriously, Tim? Yeah. Are you winding us?
2: up no i do it was it was it was was a few few years ago but i i I do i've done loads of stuff with with youth theaters over the years yeah yeah and um and uh i think even at that time i think we just started doing when i grow up with with um with bsl which i don't know if you've ever seen bsl versions of matilda but it oh it's stunning it's so, so beautiful. Um, w- and Having kids, two kids on both sides of the stage doing When I Grow Up and they go, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up. And I know that you can't see me because this is a podcast.
4: Well, I can, though. That's so great. I mean, I've seen it translated into various sign languages over the years, but um, I've, I don't think I've seen a whole choir doing it.
2: I uh, might have. Um, I tell you what, what, when the next time we do it, I'll send it over so you can have a look yeah, at it. It's please. beautiful. that's awesome. It's so oh, so wicked. so pretty. And go Chelsea. Yeah. No, I mean I, I'm I'm a United fan. <laughs> I just did not want that in any way, shape, or form. But um, yeah,
1: who's your or who, or who are your comedy songs? Since it's a comedy song podcast, were you are you influenced by comedy songs or? Tell me about your... I don't
4: don't think I really was. I wasn't really into comedy. I'm not a comedy guy. One of the great joys of ending up in comedy in the UK is I got to meet and love all these comedians. But I I only ever really watched the comedians that I got to know as people first. I was like, oh, I wonder what they do. And, you know, Stuart Lee and Tony Law and Sean Locke, bless him, and, um, you know, all those... And Watson and Key and Horn and all those Mm. boys... Um, you know, uh, I I got to love them as people and saw their comedy and I got to love their comedy but I'm not a comedy guy and I'm not a musical comedy guy. I think my influences... I've always loved people who use lyrics playfully and I grew up listening to The Kinks and The Beatles and Queen and, you know, and they all you know kinks half their songs were basically what you would call comedy you know were mm. were what they call novelty songs in america mm. um i have got to meet people that i can't believe i'm meeting and what i've learned about that like wanting to meet people is for them to want to meet you that's what you want mm. i mean yeah you know <laughs> and um and so i've been really lucky in that like for me it's it's I've had dinner with Tom Stoppard a couple of times because I've got to know him a bit and I've I've had a few drinks with Steve Sondheim and uh, obviously a couple of boozy lunches with old man Lloyd Webber before he stopped drinking and um, I've had dinner at Ian McEwan's house and I've had dinner with Zadie Smith and uh, like these, this is what matters. You know, I've also met, had dinner at Sandy Bullock's house and Tom Cruise's house. No, no, I haven't met to Tom Cruise's house but I met these people but that... That's not, that's not what freaks me out. It's it's having dinner with Ian McEwan and Zadie Smith. That I I, I write it down and I write the date and I go never forget that you got that yeah. joyous thing to to sit with authors and playwrights and people who actually reflect the world and you know I've had dinner with Dawkins and you know friends with Brian Cox. I, I I'm very very I'm just dropping names now, but I'm very <laughs> enamored by. By big brains, not, not so much things I've been a fan of in a cultural sense but minds that I m- admire and aspire to try and... I, I would love to be able to articulate ideas like some of those people. Yeah. I know I've listed a lot of men there. I, no, I not, don't know what well, to say about it, that.
1: It, it, I mean, that was, that was the question and you're not dropping names because I did ask you um oh, and, definitely,
4: and, and also I yeah. had a good chat with McCartney once about songwriting. You right?
2: did not have a chat with McCartney about songwriting.
4: Okay, now yeah. now you're dropping names.
2: That is so, amazing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um there's dropping names to gain my respect and then there's actually you're allowing yourself to remind yourself of how great that life is and by say by saying it out loud sometimes when I start to get feel a little bit bad about what i've achieved or i've not achieved enough or i'm not doing enough and i i feel unmotivated and start to get depressed i i have to l- literally verbalize all the great things i'm doing so even yeah. even this morning i woke up just in a bit of a mood i'd i been to see uh, launched a comedy festival in brighton yesterday and seen a, a beat, seen the film premiere of everybody's talking about jamie and woke up today feeling depressed and i was like what what is wrong with you mm. and then and then i realized yeah. I'm, I'm going to be interviewing tim minchin who's not only just a, a friend of mine but you know you, you are one of the most renowned songwriters of our era so i mean uh, if you can that's
4: why you're depressed <laughs> i go well. talk to that that name dropping fuck <laughs> no it's maybe it's because i i i feel like
1: you've achieved so much and it's and i mean it's it's an absolute blessing to everyone here i hate using that word but it's an it's a gift to to all of us that we have you as as a uh, as a creative person um so um we i don't want to take much more of your time we've asked all of our guests um if they would mind performing something for us and we kind of left it open to to the guests of uh, what they'd like to perform. So it's like a little, a little bit of a live performance.
4: I mean, you know, I'm a retired musical comedian. <laughs> so I, I don't Should play we, any of that shit anymore. So I, I could play wait, something wait, so, Sorry,
1: sorry, wait, you don't play any of that shit anymore. What, my my whole lifestyle choice. Yeah, your whole life.
4: Uh, you don't do that <laughs> shit anymore. You become a Thanks, quite Tim. serious actor, you know. There's a... Um, <laughs> You
1: don't want to be seen as someone that's that's messing around anymore, do you?
4: Well, I don't know. It just—I saw Bo <laughs> Burnham's, You know, like I love Bo. Yeah, he—he's the musical comedian. I—I th- I think he's just so much better than anyone in the world. It's really, ama- it's amazing. As yeah, a satirist, it, was... it depends what you want from your musical comedy. Obviously, there's—we talk about it as if it's one thing. Um, Bo is just—I mean, I—I I remember when I first met him when he was a kid. I'm just like, yeah, this kid's gonna. This kid's gonna wipe the floor with all our fucking faces. You know, he's yeah. just the smartest guy I know, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I I haven't really kept up with you know musical comedians, except that I'm a huge Bo fan, um, and that's made me want to just retire completely. <laughs> well, I, I was um, going to
1: ask. I was actually going to bring up Bo Burnham, and I and then we we've, we've sort of left it behind because that. I when I saw when that uh show came out inside it it made me feel like I j- I just don't I'm not doing enough or I'm not I don't have the skills it it was so it was so brilliantly put together um and I watched it two nights in a row cuz I think you can't just watch it once no, and then you start it's realizing so it's is music's being used as backdrop music on like TikToks and all all the, the the kids the, the amount of effect that's had on kids and the joy involved and the and the social comment i i wondered if if it inspired you to do anything because you you sort of sit in a category of people i think that could do something that's that uh, that's that uh, with that
4: scope well it it made me wonder whether i've made the right decision because i after matilda and i basically decided i I mean I've always – yeah, I I wanted to be taken seriously as an artist basically and it took me till I was about my mid-30s to believe I could be and then once I got that belief in my head after Matilda I thought, hold on, if I can be a composer, lyricist and a writer and an actor then I, I want to do that, you know. And it was a bit about proving to myself that I could be taken to – ...you know, could have the audacity to think of myself as an artist...
1: Mm.
4: ...as distinct... ...and also just because comedy's, as I say, it's not... I, I'm a, ...I I didn't grow up aspiring to it. Um, mm. Bo was a massive comedy fan. Mm. But I just think you need to let yourself move through the phases of your life, you know. And, and I definitely, when I watch Bo, I think, shit. Like, he is brilliant and I'll never be... Bow, but there's no doubt I could make something like that, but I didn't, right? And art mm. is always about what you choose to do. And what I chose to do during lockdown is I did a live stream of a of my first serious album, and it was not even in the same universe su- success wise. But mm. it's something I've been trying to do for 25 years. So mm. you know that's my decision. And and also I I have. Written, a, a, you know, co-written a TV show that I got to act in, and I, it, it's sort of the best thing I've ever done, I think. And it would be a, a sad indictment on my personality if, having got all that satisfaction out of doing that, I looked back over my shoulder at, at the yep. kid who I was his, beau was a fan of mine back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was, mm-hmm. you know, if I looked back at that kid and went, oh, I should be doing that like that kid, that. <laughs> I thought, come on, Tim, fucking get your hand off it, you know. I I th- I actually
1: once I got over the jealousy, I found myself completely inspired to 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 try a little harder or to be just do follow your muse a little bit more. But when you did your your album stream, um, how did how did you feel? Did you enjoy that? Like what what did, when you were finished, was it satisfying?
4: Yeah, I'm proud of that record. I don't know who it's for, but I I don't. I don't worry too much about that. Um, I mean, I'm so lucky because, yeah, I'm just so I'm just very very lucky. I I still Um, have all the competitiveness and jealousy that artists tend to have, but I I got bigger problems, you know. Like I got my own shit, Mm. and on the other hand, I've I wrote Matilda, so I I don't have to worry too much about the bills. So so the distraction Mm. of whether or not I'm doing the thing i should be doing is, is some way down the list you know right uh, got you i'll play you a little intimate version of my plane crash song which has okay. some good good lines in it but it's a bit wistful <laughs> that's so cool okay is that you're gonna make people sit through that at your funeral yeah eight totally.
0: hours
1: of songs about, about it me. happened <laughs> i told you it was gonna happen you didn't believe me
4: I okay. told you I was sick. Um. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't look well, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> so a great was... <laughs> photo of a... I think it's a photo of a, a, a... Probably apocryphally a photo of a tombstone in Ireland that says, Damn. I told you I was sick.
1: <laughs> it's sp- it oh, it Spike, Spike Milligan's... Oh, is it Spike
4: Ah, there you go. There you go. All right, I'll put some reverb on, you bitches, so I don't sound so shit.
3: Could I be more of a cliché 30,000 feet above Nebraska Scratching lyrics on a napkin Praying that this turbulence will Spare my wine The plane is almost empty but for 320 other humans All staking their existence on a couple of dozen rivets Straining between fuselage and wing. We're only coping with bad drinking. If this plane goes down, I hope that I'm one of the cool ones. Will I have the nerve to play the clown? If this plane goes down, if this plane goes down, remember. Is someone who tried to find a balance between self-loathing and pride dug too hard for love at times so if it ends in flames and fuel please tell my kids I kept my cool if my time is up and this plane goes down plane goes down as we hit the ground I wanna be smiling happily Hades bound if this plane goes down if this plane goes down remember me as someone who cared often but not always about his hair Self-righteous when shit wasn't fair So if it ends in fire at glass Please tell my kids I went down classy If my time is up and this plane goes down I've no regrets as such, it's just a shame i have so much still to do if my youth was wasted on me i don't care cause i wasted it with you my love and from up above this planet looking down the world reduced to greens and browns toy trains in paper mache town just for now the trials of humankind dissolved by altitude and wine I really think that I'd be fine if my time is up and this pain the balls to toad around if this plane goes down if this plane goes down remember me is someone who went down with fair results but grand intent found his meaning in how phrases can be bent To the will, where will my remains be sent to be eventually dentally identified? So if this fly should end in tears, please tell.
2: Adios Farewell You'll be glad to hear that We think that your interview went well But we have other things to get on with now So you're gonna have to go I'm sure our paths will cross again But whoever really knows It's been fun It's been musical It's been comical at times But now we have to leave you So goodbye Goodbye
1: You're listening to Songs in the Key of Laugh with me, Phil Nichol. And
2: me, David Timms. And I
1: thought it was a pretty great show today, to be honest. Um, If you enjoyed the show, Songs in the Key of Laugh, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Let them
2: know uh, that we're here. Absolutely. Um, I mean, it doesn't mean anything if there's nobody listening to it. So please do, please do tell your friends. It's amazing that we've had so many submissions and so many beautiful messages from people to our email. Yes. So thank you so, so much for sending those in. And we're going to continue to play those amazing comedy songs in our contest.
1: Songs in the key of laugh at gmail.com. If you'd like to see Tim Minchin on tour in his 2021 Encore Tour entitled Back, then visit timminchin.com for details. He's in the UK until January 12th.
2: Fantastic. Uh, please do keep on sending us in your comedy songs for the Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song competition.
1: If you want to support our podcast, why not join us at patreon.com forward slash Songs in the Key of Love and give us some money or copy.com
2: forward slash Songs in the Key of Laugh. I've been David Timms. I've been Phil Nicola, and, and this is Songs in the Key of Love. Songs
0: in the Key of Love. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.